Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How are you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, a very casual week. How about yours? Blech. Blech. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I'm in a mental funk right now because of, you know, some big things that happened last week. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'll get over it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Um, we were going to have to pull out anyway. People have been trying, presidents, the last three presidents, you know, mm-hmm. have wanted to pull out. Uh, they all three ran on pulling out. Um, Biden was just an unlucky oh. Alzheimer's patient that did it. <laughs> Yeah, the one left holding all the cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he did it. You know, there's no good way of pulling out when you know that a terrorist organization or the enemy is going to take back over. And yeah. they knew that. Yeah. Um, the last two administrations had uh, tried to negotiate with the Taliban. And they're trying to make this more orderly, more life-saving, uh, which was trying to do the right thing, but very misguided. You can't, uh, the infidel cannot negotiate with Islam. It mm-hmm. doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so you're stupid if you think you can. You're stupid if you believe them. And, you know, so I've just been in a funk because now it seems to a lot of us veterans that, you know, a bunch of our buddies got injured, maimed, and murdered or killed uh, for nothing. Yeah. And now we're going to have to deal with a bunch of the Afghani weapons that uh, we gave them and trained them. They dropped, gave to the Taliban when Taliban came in and said, uh, yeah, we're confiscating all the weapons. And now as they uh, continue their drug trafficking, they'll be – weapons trafficking from Afghanistan through that pipeline all the way to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Um, I was thinking about it. Like when I saw, like I don't watch news. Um, and I really like, uh, I, I don't ever go on Facebook unless I want to buy something. Then I'll look at marketplace. So, uh, and Instagram, a lot of people that I follow on Instagram, they won't talk about politics or stuff like that. And I think that's why I like, like it but um i found out like something in kabul where were we we we're out for breakfast i don't know we we're out somewhere in public and i saw this thing uh on the on the news and i was like what the heck is going on that's when i learned about it. i gotta sneeze hold on one second oh sorry just like live radio i had to mute my did my mic mute work yes okay good because that was a loud one <laughs> that's a real doozy <laughs> um yeah, anyways, and I'm just, I, I, the thing I thought about is like, man, can't we go a week with without some just, something against mankind? Like, every week there's something new against the human race, and it's, oh, it's just constant bad news, you know? This, and then this, and then this, and then this, and it's just like, 
I wish we could just have a time, you know, where we didn't have to hear about wildfires, where we didn't have to hear about the Wuhan sniffles or a war in the Middle East or just, oh, man, that's, man, just, ugh, it's non-stop. You know what I mean? But yeah. that actually kind of, it kind of got me thinking, you know, maybe we could do this as a, as a bit of a topic and, uh. Yeah, I was like, you know what? It's a good thing I've got hobbies to distract myself. And I, th- I was thinking about that last night when I was going to bed. I was like, ah, oh, I kind of like having hobbies. And then I meant to write it down so I'd remember for this morning, but somehow I remembered. But uh, you got any hobbies? I know you do. Oh, yes, I do. Um, too many, actually. Yeah. You know, when your hobbies get in, in the way of your hobbies, you're like, mm, maybe I need to rethink this. <laughs> What I'm would interested you in so many things, you know? Yeah. What would you say is is probably the most prevalent hobby in your life or has been throughout your life? Like the one thing that's like, okay, yeah, this this is my jam. Like if all yeah, hobbies had to go to the wayside. 50-50 between making things with my hands, w- whether it be woodworking or restoration or whatever, and guns. You know, either whether it's collecting, gunsmithing, or shooting, hmm. training. Training other people, um, training women to defend themselves. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, I, I, you know, and then this does kind of like I have hobbies that will come and go, and you know I'll be really into something for a while, and then I'll just kind of stop, and then I'll move on to the next thing. I'm not. I have never found a singular hobby that I've just stuck with and it's been the thing. Now, there's some that I come back to and I keep coming back to, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily have any single hobby, but it's just maybe the hobby is uh, trying new things or, or getting into something I don't know about. I don't know. Like when I was a kid, a teenager, and, and working and living at home, I had a lot of uh, extra cash to spend, you know, and man, I would like, oh, I think I'd like to try rock climbing. So I went out and I, I bought a bunch of rock climbing gear. I would get some rock climbing books from the library and I just totally obsessed with it. I'd climb our chimney on our, on our house and I'd rappel down that. Never actually went to a mountain to climb, but I was so fascinated by rock climbing and it was like a little hobby, right? And then I, I, I think the next one right after that was archery. I'm like, oh, I want to get into to hunting with a bow, a compound bow. So I went out. And I bought, at the time, it was an $800 bow, which I think was the most expensive I could find. It was a browning. I'm sure by today's standards, it's probably a horrific thing. But I bought this thing, shot a few arrows. I didn't really use the power of a compound bow. And I set up a piece of drywall in my dad's shop and, uh, you know, shot my whole quiver. And I looked. I'm like, where where do these arrows go? I can't find my arrows. And I'm looking behind the drywall. And then I my, my eyes pan up and I see the... The tin, he had two doors, tin sliding doors. <laughs> I see six holes in it. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so this is my dad's brand new shop. And I literally just shot arrows right through the door. And uh, I probably was into that hobby for a, a little while. Never actually hunted with it. Um, and then I ended up I ended up just getting rid of it. And I was like, oh, where should I take it? And somebody's like, oh, I'll just take it to the pawn shop. So I took it to the pawn shop. I think I got 60 bucks for it. And I didn't. I was like, whatever. Who cares? But um was there a slight pause in that hobby as you learned drywall and tin repair? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, my dad, he was, yeah, he was kind of frustrated, but, um, yeah, that was dumb. Uh, but yeah, I, and then I, I don't I know, did. like, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I was talking to somebody recently that they were talking when they were eight, uh, from the earliest they can remember up to this day when they're eight years old, they they had this giant tree in the front yard, and he was wanted to get to the very t- tippy top, right? Mm-hmm. That was his thing every day, trying to get up there, get up there, get up there. Finally, he was tall enough, right, to get between the more spaced-out branches, mm-hmm. and he was eight. He climbed all the way to the top of the tree and then figured out why cats get stuck is up is way easier than down. Yeah. And uh, he gets about not even a quarter of the way down the tree, slips, you know, bounces off every branch coming down, falls flat on his back uh, on the ground. Oh, man. And his parents have been looking out, and his dad's holding his mom back. Like, no, just let him be a boy. Let him be a boy. <laughs> Splat! Mom says some expletives to Dad. They both run out there, and uh, you know, Dad just not even worried about broken bones. Just jerks him up off the ground, brushes him off. He goes, "That's my boy." Walks back in the house. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Isn't life different now?" That was his whole point. You know, isn't this different now? Mm-hmm. You know, because that taught me at eight years old a lesson that I didn't fully understand until I'm in my 40s, which was, you know, take chances. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't kill you, you know, good for yeah. you. Yeah, If it did kill you, you know, you'll learn too late. You shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a stupid lesson. But anyway, um, no, I get the whole, you know, that was his dad's way of you know, encouraging him to be a man and try <clears> stuff. <throat> Mm-hmm. But yeah, and to go a, completely limp in an accident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I was watching a, a video when I was running on the treadmill yesterday, and uh, it's called cross something cross training. It's it's a dual sport channel, and this guy did this video like uh, adventure bike solve a midlife crisis or something like that, and he kind of talks about. It's funny, he kind of makes fun of Harley riders or cruiser risers, <laughs> riders. He said, not that there's necessarily anything wrong, at least you're on a motorbike. He said, if worse comes to worse, even a Goldwing is better than than not riding a bike at all. But uh, but it's true. And he said, yeah, you know, how many of us on our deathbed are going to be like, oh, man, I wish I didn't ride my, my motorbike so much. I wish I didn't go on bike trips so much. And it's true, you know. And, and you hear that, but continue to, I think most people you know, that in our demographic, you know, like middle class North Americans, most people kind of hear that now and then it's cute, but they still just like, oh, that's fine. I'm going to bury my head in, in the office and I'm just going to work, 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 you know. Um, and, and more so seemingly, you kind of have to, like everything's so blink and expensive. Every time you turn around, you know, like got Chinese food for our family last night, one picked it up, it was 90 bucks, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. it's just funny to me. How these people justify it to themselves being too poor to ride a Goldwing or a Harley and they're stuck with a Yamaha and they just say, 
they have to justify it to themselves as being better somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I know. I did that. <laughs> if you like a motorbike, motorcycle to the Americans, if you like that, you're you're already you're already a winner. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't care if it's a as long as it's not a Vespa. Oh, dude, I would take a Vespa right now. <laughs> no, no, <sighs> no. Have a you Vespa ever... should come with a skirt, and you no. have to wear it. No. Yes. No. Yes. I disagree. You know why I there's like... no bar there, like on a men's bicycle? Because it's for women. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Vespas. <sighs> I, I would take a Vespa right now. In fact, the classic Vespa, oh, I would love one of those. Oh, I would too. I'd, you know, I would either if it's good enough, like it is, in perfect running order, all original, good patina. Find a collector for that and sell it, make money. If it's not, restore it. Find an, a man bun and sell it, yeah. along with the skirt. Yeah, um, no, I don't. I don't see that at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know what? I would. I would. I would be way more humiliated. So, you know, the bike is the Yamaha Virago. Yes. Yeah, I I would I would not be seen on one of those. And I don't you know, know what, what else, it is about it. You, you know Just what else is really humiliating? Even that. even though it's a Harley, to find a grown man north of six foot, you know, six foot or more yep. on an eight eighty three sportster that he's had for like t- a decade. Yeah. It's a good starter bike. You're not gonna kill yourself on it generally. But, you know, within a, the first year, that's why there's so many on the used market. You know, you trade it in on something else. Yeah. Now, you know, something you're more comfortable, you know, now that you're more comfortable, trade it on a man, I mean, a real bike. <laughs> yeah. I would I would but, like to take one of those and just cut it up, man. Just slam it to the ground. And that's what I wanted to do my 1200, and I had started doing that. Uh, and then that's when they reintroduced the wide glide. Oh, okay. And the guy at the dealership uh, where I was at my Harley club was, uh, he saw me looking at it the day they got it. They're they're actually trying to assemble part of it on the showroom floor because they didn't have room uh, in the assembly area. Yep. And I'm like, oh, my God, they brought the wide glide back? Yep. You know, when is this one going to be ready for test drive? He's like, oh, you know, here in about an hour. I'll wait. He's like, oh, you got a bike now? Yeah. What is it? Oh, it's the black 1200 out front. Oh, the all black with the, you know, and he named some of the accessories I had on it. Yep. He goes, I freaking love that bike. You're going to trade it in? Yeah. Don't sell it to me. Well, I'll hmm. pay cat. And I, the guy was, I don't know why, but, you know, he paid. I made a profit on it. Oh, wow. Um, pretty healthy profit. And uh, I wasn't going to, you know, try to talk him down, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and got a killer deal on the wide glide. Oh, right on. And, but anyway, but I no, I was going to, I was at the point on the 1200 where I was going to start. I had had the engine accessories, exhaust, and braking that I wanted on it, right? Now I'm going to start taking stuff off. Yeah. And I just put the uh, 
drag bars on it I wanted. Uh, and I was going to start taking stuff off. Actually, that day when I got home. And I'm like, mm, now I'll start on the wide glide. Mm, right on. I know they're so fun. Hey, like, so thinking about, like, I think one of my big hobbies right now, the, one of my interests is motorbikes. And, um, like, with my DR, I've done quite a few things I, that I want to do to it. But I, I don't know if you – and I was kind of – I always had in my mind I was just going to tweak a few things, you know, get a little bit better performance out of it, make it a little bit more comfortable, but kind of leave it as it is. And I don't know, the more I keep looking at it, the more I'm like – Man, I want to go a little bit crazy with this thing. I want to really change this thing up. You know, like I hate the headlight. Like that, it's iconic. It's a square headlight. It's been like that since, I don't know, when they first came. It's like over 20 years. And uh, even the like the, the plastics on this bike are the same ones that they were putting on in 96. Like literally, I could take a, a front fairing from 96 and it will bolt on. Uh, they haven't changed anything. And... I love uh, I love rat bikes, but I want I don't you know a lot of rat bikes turn to rat bikes just because they don't run well. You know what I mean? Or a guy gets in a you know scratches it all up, doesn't have money to fix it, so he's like, let me paint it flat black. And I, I don't necessarily love the flat black. I like you know rat bikes that have a little bit little bit of character and a little bit of thought put yeah. into them. Um, and I come like man, I want to make this thing like a like a sled, like a desert sled kind of. You know, the, you know, they used to have two large round headlights for like doing Baja and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I love the look of that. I want to, I want when people to look at my bike, be like, oh, wow, this guy's like literally probably going straight into the mountains and he's going to stay there for a while. You know what I mean? Or he's going to race across the desert in California, go, go ride Baja or something like that. Like, I don't know. Right now it still yeah, screams I had, generic. I had envisioned you, uh, when you first got that motorbike and talking about, you know, doing stuff to it i was thinking a crossover between enduro uh uh what do they call it like a pack out bike bug out lots or? of uh lots of horizontal services to pack stuff on it but okay, to yeah. go into the mountains yeah and then uh like a, oh God, my mind has just gone blank because I don't, I didn't study these kind of bikes very often. Like the BMWs. Uh, yeah, like a uh, adventure touring. touring. Bike. No, not a touring bike. Adventure touring. Adventure bike. Adventure yeah. bike. So, yeah. so a crossover between all all of those things is what I had envisioned you doing, but yeah, and I I think it's kind of close to that. It'll never be an enduro because it's too heavy. And um, yeah. the suspension on it is really soft, and they say that's a downside. So if you're actually going to do, like, aggressive, like, technical train, single track type stuff, they say you really need to upgrade it. Like, if you're just cruising gravel, it's fantastic. It's nice and comfy on the highway. Um, I meant more I, the look of an enduro. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat, you know, the knobby tires or the those kind yeah. of wheels, you know, yeah. little... It's, fun, it's funny you mention that because last night I was like, I don't know why I was, I was working yesterday afternoon and I couldn't stop thinking about the fact I'm like, I want to put my old tires on. Like I have the, the, the knobbies, the D606s that I took off because if you're on the highway, they buzz and you can hear the noise like, and it kind of drives me nuts. But I'm like, I did, it's getting cooler, right? So highway speeds are getting a little cooler. Like 
uh, I went, what was it Monday, Tuesday, right in a few days, and it was, I think it's 12 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's pretty cool. And so it's the point where I have like my riding pants and my jacket on. And I actually have the insulation liner in my jacket now. And I'm totally comfortable, not cold in any way, shape, or form. But I'm like, you know what? We're getting in the cooler weather here. I always, you know, like I started with this bike doing a whole bunch of gravel. And since I put my 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 smoother tires on, I haven't ridden much gravel. And I'm like, man, I should get back into just, you know, okay, I need to go to this part of the city. How can I either take the, the back roads or gravel, you know? So I'm not doing like 110, 120 kilometers an hour with these buzzy tires. And I'm like, that's, that's the fun part anyways. Like just, I mean, I wouldn't say that. Like I love riding that bike. Any motorbike is better than driving a car in my opinion, unless you got a sports car, but I don't have that. <laughs> you know, I've got very practical cars that go from A to B. Um, so I love riding my motorcycle, but I'm like, man, when you get on the gravel and you know, you're not just mm, with everybody else on the highway, I can go places people don't go, won't, you know, people don't choose to ride on gravel because it's hard on your vehicle. And, uh, sometimes a direct route is like, let's just head down this gravel road. And yeah, the speed limit might not be quite as fast, but sometimes I think it's still the faster way to go. But I'm, I know for me personally, uh, the, the quickest way for me to go to my mailbox is on gravel, uh, depending on which vehicle I have. I'm like, no, I'm not driving this. I'm not driving my nice car down gravel when I can just, you know, do a little bit of gravel, get to the highway and then kind of go around. But, um, yeah, I'm like, I should put my knobby tires back on, um, less comfortable on the highway, but just try and avoid highway riding if I can, you know, like, like make every trip to the city an adventure be like, instead of like an hour and a half, it's going to take me two hours, but I'm going to have way more fun. I'm going to be checking out back roads, gravel roads, riding place I've never been before. I'm like, that's, that's why I bought the bike, you know? So I don't know. I, I'd like to, I, I don't know. I, I get to the same problem. This is kind of ties in with another hobby of mine is bicycles is that there's a certain part of me that I love the way my bike's set up right now. It just works. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not spinning a red cent. Like I was like looking at headlights and then totally change the front end. I'm like, why would I do that? This thing literally runs good. And when I'm riding it, I don't see any, any difference, right? Like I can ride this bike and that's where I get my satisfaction from. And then sometimes I'm like, but man, what if I had another DR that I could totally do up for off-road, you know? And even my big box I have on the back, it looks so bad. I think it's the dorkiest looking thing on earth, but it is so practical. I use it every day. Like the, the other day I went to the city, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and um, I had like five stops to pick different things up. And by the time I was done, that trunk was totally full and it had some parcels strapped to the top of it. And I'm like, this is the best. Like this allows me to do stuff and without having to wear a backpack, I couldn't carry uh, in that thing, in a, in a backpack, what I can carry in that trunk, you know, but I'm like, man, if I had another DR, I wouldn't have to have, have a rack on it. It could just be just for like ripping, oh man, it's a problem. And that's why I have so many bicycles it's because like I get this one bike and I get it set up just like this. I'm like, oh, but if we had a different bike with slightly bigger tires and it was a single speed, then it'd be perfect for this. That's <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. It's never satisfied, I guess. Yeah, actually it is. I mean, most of your hobbies, if not all, um, have something to do with wheels and tires. Yeah. Bicycles, motorbikes, you know, cars, landing gear. Yeah. Uh, something, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, let me ask you this. What do you think about Jeeps? I I see the draw. 
I've never had one. I honestly don't know if I've ever ridden in a Jeep. I honestly have no clue. Um, I like my dad when I was like uh, looking for a vehicle. My dad's like, whatever you do, don't buy a Jeep. Because I mean, I'm sure they're better now, but they've had reputations of being. Oh yeah, yeah. it depends know, on which Jeep you get. Yeah. Um, and what generation you get? Um, like there are some. Oh God, mid two thousands, like two thousand to two thousand ten, Jeep Grand Cherokees. But depending on what trim level you get, yeah. it's so weird. Like you can buy, I don't know, you you know whatever trim, and it's you your transmission will blow up the minute you put it in drive. And then this mm. other one, you'll get 700,000 miles out of it with no problem. That's weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, and like for Jeeps, like, off-roading stuff, I see the appeal in that. And, like, now everybody's, you know, they call overlanding. I think that's kind of a newer term. And um, I think, see, when well, I see... Well, you're not going underlanding, so I don't know what these people are thinking. Yeah. It's a it's a hipster term, mm. in my opinion. Well, <laughs> it used to just, just be off-roading. Because they don't want to say off-road. I don't. Oh, we're just not going off-road. We're doing blah, blah, blah. You're going off-road. Shut yeah. up. We're overlanding. Yeah. And then it's funny. Well, like overlanding, I think, came out of the worldwide uh, rover expeditions. Oh, okay. That the uh, Toyota Land Cruiser was mm-hmm. competing. Anyway. Yeah. I don't care. Um, you're not overlanding, people. You're top not camping. Yeah. And I think, so I see a lot of similarities in the overlanding community as the prepper community in that, man, they get just wildly hung up on gear. You know what I mean? It's like, you see these trucks and it's like kitted out and they've got like this and this and custom everything. And it's, it's a huge market now. Like we've got places here like called like the truck outfitters or this or that. And they'll, I'll, sometimes they'll put like flyers in the newspaper and I look at the stuff that they're selling now. I'm like, wow. So these guys will have like their trucks and they'll basically have like the equivalent of pegboard with a, some proprietary fastener system. And, you know, they have a can of fuel right bolted to the outside of their truck here and a nice, nice little Fiskars axe bolted over here. And then they'll have a folding shovel bolted over here and then they'll have a ladder over here. And then, and I look at it, I'm like, wow, you guys, you guys are really into this gear. And it's funny because one of my friend's dad is an old farmer and he would always, on his trucks, he'd buy these Chevy trucks, he'd rip off the stock bumper, weld his own bumper on there, and he would weld a piece of plate that came up. So, you know, those, uh, a jackal, right? Yeah. He'd have one of those that slid in and then he just bolted it on. There's a little bolt, he tightened it down. And he'd have a splitting maul not an axe, a, f- a splitting maul, and he would weld steel to kind of match the profiles. If you, say if you set it down on the head of the axe with the handle standing straight up. Yeah. He made a little steel cage like that, put it in, and he had a pin. And those were on every single truck that he ever had because he used them all the time, right? Always had a jackal. Yeah, a splitting maul, you got a kind of axe, kind of hatchet, kind of sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like he just welded this stuff on and, you know, threw some paint on it and he'd just keep throwing spray paint on it if it got too rusty, but um, actually worked and actually used it, right? When I see a lot of these guys like, okay, if you're going overlanding, use air quotes, how often do you use that little tiny folding shovel <laughs> that you bolted to the side of your truck? And I remember too, like, okay, 
you know, my dad and I used to go fishing in his truck. He had a 1980 Chevy, uh, half ton, and we just kind of put everything in the box, you know, and then he had a topper on it and we threw mattresses in there. And then when we got there, we took everything out, left it outside while we slept inside. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, guys, are, it's so funny seeing, you know, who's getting into it. It kind of surprises me is, uh, Dave Canterbury. You know who he is? Uh, we talked about him briefly before, but yeah. that's the only reference I have on him. Okay, because he he's he actually like traps uh, in in Ohio, and uh, he, he like traps sells furs and stuff like that. But he has always done. Uh, he used to write a lot for. Have you heard of the Backwoodsman magazine? Yes. Yeah, he's written for them quite a bit. He studied a lot and and had a YouTube stuff for several years in a row about like traditional. Um, you know, backwoods stuff. Um, what do they call it? Not, I guess bushcraft is kind of the same type of term. <laughs> Hipsters take it over and ruin it. Um, you know, woods loafing or, or stuff like that. And, you know, he'd study all those guys like Nesmuk and, uh, all these things and interesting content that he'd always do and is always based on traditional things. And now he's gone like whew, completely up. I bought a brand new, what's well, that Jeep that it's like a pickup truck. Um, the gladiator. Yeah. And then he put, he puts a topper on it. Abomination. That's what I call it. Yeah. He buys that and then puts a topper on it. And it's the same thing. Like he's got all these drawers built in and this and bolt on this and solar panel top. And I'm like, oh man, oh man. I mean, you know what? To each their own. And if that's what, if that's what you enjoy doing, have at her. But I just find it funny. I find those people are just like the the preppers and it's just like oh i gotta get the gear gotta get the gear gotta get the gear you know but sometimes it's not about actually just going out and being out in the woods it's about having now, a truck that looks rad when i was up in montana there's a bunch of jeep guys up there cool awesome yeah. guys you know if you were if they were out in the snow on the trails and you were snowmobiling if they were stuck, you'd help. You were stuck, they'd help. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. They were um, They were always respectful of the trails uh, in Florida. Ran into Jeep guys that are just posers, you know. Uh, yeah. Top off, doors off to go to the beach. Generally good guys yeah. and gals, you know. Uh, and in most of my stories, people, when I say guys, it's not a gender term. It's everybody. Yeah. A group of people. Um, it's a term of art. Uh, so uh, then go to Missouri. Just horrible people that wear, those are the kind of guys that wear uh, cowboy hats that have never even seen a horse. Yeah. <sighs> no, you don't have to ride a horse or be a cowboy to wear a cowboy hat. It keeps the sun off your face and your back, you know, and all that. I get it, but you got to at least know, you know, you got to be a, you can't be a certain type of person, right? Okay. Like, to me, a cowboy hat and blue jeans with a crease ironed down the middle don't go together. Yeah. I know people, you know, think that's uh, formal wear in Texas. Okay. Let's let Texans have that nowhere else in the world. Yeah. 
Okay. Drugstore cowboys. But, but, you know, just these were a bunch of people uh, in Jeeps that thought they were cowboys, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. Right. They just, and they were not respectful to trails, tear everything up, go mudding, and just ruin everything. And I mean, like public land. Um, Or, you know, they know that, hey, this is private land, like a 400 acre uh, farm that was in disrepair, but it was still owned by somebody, not you. And they just break in and tear it up. Uh, That's what I ran into in Missouri. Yeah. Go to <clears throat> Virginia and Maryland, and there's a certain word that we're not allowed to use anymore because the gay community says it's hateful. Oh, yeah. It's an F word, right? Mm-hmm. I have never, ever used that word towards or about gay people. And the way I used it back in the day is how I would describe the Jeep people in Maryland and Virginia. Huh. A bunch of 20-somethings, men, all men, all going camping together, no women. Oh, wait, maybe maybe that's not the right word after all. Yeah. No, you know, just a bunch of douchebags, basically. Sorry, but that's just what they are. Because there's a bunch of college communities there, and they just think, oh, my, um, you know, my parents bought me a Jeep because I asked for it. Have you ever had a Jeep? No. I've never owned one. I've actually driven two for an extended length of time, but they weren't mine. Yeah. It was just a buddy saying, hey, you know, can you put some miles on that? Um, keep it up, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Keep the juices flowing in it. And then uh, one of the lawyers I worked with, uh, she had an old Jeep uh, that she bought in uh, Alaska. And she needed to borrow, she wanted to borrow my pickup truck to do some, you know, moving. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. You know, so we swapped vehicles. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> Trusted her, she trusted me, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Um, boy, you talk about an emasculated man, her husband. Great guy. Fantastic. Even He was even a dude's dude Are you still until about they Jeeps? were together. See, I'd, I worked with a guy, getting back to Jeeps. Um, he was smartest guy I ever knew, and I always thought Jeeps were pieces of junk. And so he had an older, I don't know, was, what do you call CJ or like YJs or yuppie Jeeps? <laughs> uh, that's what yeah. yj is and uh but he had a cj which was an older one i guess yeah and he did so much work to his crazy like he did he didn't like go crazy with the power like a lot of guys will put you know small block chevys in there he kept the jeep in it uh i think he had an inline six or something um he said i don't need a ton of power if it does highway speed i'm happy but he said i want this thing to be able to go anywhere on earth without anybody else so he put you know solid axles front and rear um they were different widths so that the front tires wouldn't ride or the back tires wouldn't ride automatically in the tracks of the front. You know, he said when you're going through mud and stuff like that, that way I've got a brand new. He did so much to it. He had 12,000 pound winch. He said, I could pull this thing and he reinforced his frame. He said, I could pull this thing straight up, straight up a tree if I wanted to, you know, and that I get. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool that I get this type of a Jeep. But then <clears throat> like you see, the, you see these people in, that, that have them and they, they leave them pretty much totally stock. I'm like, 
as as an everyday like a daily driver, I don't see the practicality. They're terrible on fuel. Uh, they they don't have a nice ride. They're loud, like inside outside. Even with the hard top, you you know I'm I'm like, I I get it, and I I see it would be cool if that was a hobby. Yeah, let's let's get a jeep and you know turn it into or people like doing rock crawling. I would never ever. <laughs> I think it's neat to watch, but I'm like I'd never spend a cent on doing that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have these weird things with jeeps, and then. This one person I know I have zero respect for her. She's a, I can't, I didn't, she'd never listen to this, but, um, you know, she, she thinks she's so cool because she, she rides a Jeep and it'll be like 10 degrees Celsius and she'll have her roof off. And then she's got a sticker on the back, like silly boys, Jeeps are for girls. And I'm like, oh, okay. As soon as someone says, I'm like, nah, you know, you're done <laughs> your opinion. But, um, but yeah, she doesn't go off-roading with it. And she identified her whole identity is wrapped up in the fact that she drives a Jeep with a top down. <laughs> She's a nasty, nasty thing, like nasty. But I get it. I kind of, I kind of think jeeps are cool, um, but I don't think they're cool as a, uh, like a daily driver or something like that. I, I don't see the the appeal to go buy a jeep and just drive it around in stock. One thing you know, have you ever heard of a Suzuki Samurai? Yes. I want one of those so bad, so bad. Say, like, Jeep, but That's smaller. That's what uh, Andrew said. <clears throat> the Samurai is so much better than a Jeep. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Early on in his channel, he just raped one of them through the woods. Hmm. That's cool. Oh, he's so anti-Jeep <clears throat> in that video. It's funny. Hmm. Yeah, no, they'd be fun. I had a friend who had one, and he, did, uh, he didn't have any money, but he wanted to lift it up. And so he did a, a hockey puck body lift. <laughs> he did a three inch body lift with hockey pucks. <laughs> it looks so dumb. Especially because you he know could, what? The, um, he could afford right proper tires for it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It works great. But he had three inch lift and these tiny little tires. He goes, once I get some more money, it's going to look awesome. He <laughs> go around corners so slow. He goes, it's so tippy right now. I'm like, well, no kidding. It's funny. Oh yeah, I we had uh, a a guy at Malmstrom that uh, you know those guys, those young guys, just come in, start either a new job or get to a new base, and wants to fit in too bad. Yeah. Uh, so you know the the guys go you know camping and wheeling uh, and trail riding on the weekend. So he goes out and gets a jeep and lifts it with just either a body lift or the wrong suspension lift. Yeah, there was that guy, and the first time he went out, thing just very. It was like it's in slow motion. It was going on a trail, went too much, too far to the right, and thing just. Oh wow! Crash right on the left side. Really? We're like, yeah, we'll tip it over. We'll tip <laughs> it back on his wheels, but you have to leave. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's fun. It is fun. I think it's. It's interesting how, um, you know, wildly different our our interests, our opinions are, like, when it comes to hobbies. But the same level of passion about it, right? Like, there's some guys that, like, you know, the overlanding people, they just get fanatical about it. And then the every little niche that you're into, whether it's overlanding, bushcrafting, prepping, or, you know, Drag racing. I'm like, drag racing's awesome. Like, I, I, I think it's really cool. 
would I ever get into it even remotely? Never, you know. But it's funny. I worked with a guy. His name was Jim, and he had a, a car. I think you could look it up on the internet called Red Scarlet, and it was a top fuel dragster. And uh, I took photos of it for Snap On uh, for one of their calendars for Snap On Tools one year. And uh, he, this gym guy, really good guy, heavy duty mechanic by trade, and he says the only reason that he works is so that he can race. And he made good money. Like he was one of the top guys. He's probably making, you know, I guess a hundred thousand dollars a year. He said, I need this job so that I can race. He says I don't have to work. He goes, everything I make here goes a hundred percent into racing. And I, I was like, how much does that cost? He goes, I would estimate it's probably on a good year I can keep my racing under 120 grand. He has other money too, right? But I'm like, wow, that is insane. And he he's the one that pilots the car. He drives that thing. I'm like, how can you drive it? You got like he was an old way called him the old guy. But yeah, it's cool. But it, it's so so interesting, hey? It different is. hobbies, different interests, and it's just man. And how polarizing it is, too. Yeah. And then within the groups, how polarizing. You know, you, you get into yeah. some things. Oh, good, do that. It's like, dude, shut up. You know, it's like like in the cycling community, there's like, I don't know if there was because they're becoming so mainstream, but there used to be a big hate for e-bikes, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, and I'm on that. I'm more in that camp. I'm like, you, you seriously going to electronic assist a bicycle? What's wrong with you? You know, that's what a motorbike's for. But. Yeah. 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 I think if you're somehow limited in your physical ability and you used to ride with the family and they're still riding and you want to ride with them still, e-bike, way to go. Mm -hmm. If that you don't fit that category, you're just lazy. Yeah. 100%. Um, so my parents, they took their bikes out. I don't know where they were. I think somewhere in BC. And they, they, they told the kids this. They didn't tell us. But the, the, uh, they're riding around. They're kind of done all the paths and stuff. They thought, well, why don't we try some of the mountain bike trails? <laughs> so they, and they're kind of, so my parents' bikes are, they're called Pettigos. And they're cruiser-styled bikes, right? Like they've got 26 fairly wide tires, but they're not knobby at all. Fenders, a rear rack at the back, which is where the main battery pack goes in. And like wide kind of beach cruiser bars, right? And they took these things on the trails and stuff. I'm like, I think my parents are the reason other cyclists hate e-bikes. Because <laughs> they're just ripping around these things. Um, and Steph and I are going to, uh, we're going to have a little getaway here soon up in Banff. We're going to the Banff Springs Hotel. Phenomenal place. Um, I've never stayed there before. And it is it is not cheap, but we're so excited about it. And my parents like, hey, if you guys are going there, why don't you take our e-bikes? Because there's, I guess, the 1A highway, it's shut down to vehicles. And it's it's supposed to be beautiful. I don't know where it goes exactly, but it's, it's a whole highway. And cyclists go up there like crazy because I don't I, I don't know how long it is, 100 kilometers or something like that. Um, but they're like, just take the e-bikes. I'm like, uh, you realize I've got bicycles, right? They're like, oh, yeah, take the e-bikes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I probably have like eight bikes that I could choose from on my own that I really like that I've like fussed over the parts and the componentry, and I like riding those things. Why on earth would I take your your e-bike? Take the e-bike. It's like, I like to pedal. No, just take the e-bike. Oh, it's so funny. I, I can't, we can't, like, we'll go for a family bike, right? Oh, you guys should take the e-bike. It's like, no, I don't want your e-bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw it over a cliff if you say that word again. 
uh, there's places like if you uh, you know for fat biking in the winter time, yeah. uh, actual trails, most of them you're not allowed an e-bike on, and I think it's just because the weight it kind of compacts them too much. You leave too deep of ruts. But yeah, big signs, no e-bikes. I'm like good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I've seen like uh, they're starting to make like gravel bikes that are e-bikes and you can always tell an e-bike now they're trying to make them look more normal uh but they'll put the battery in the in the down tube and uh yeah i see these young people able body people and they got these e-bikes i'm like oh come on what's happening what's happening to our society have you been uh doing anything in your shop building anything lately uh no too hot yeah I, I hate to do this and I'm, it's going to screw up our recording but I have to step away for about two minutes okay we'll hit a right pop alright I'm back thank you so much alrighty hit the flag now alright Todd's back sorry <sighs> about that folks that was an emergency um, that no one wants to have oh dear we don't need and to I say. didn't even eat Mexican food <laughs> Well, good thing you caught it on time, hey? Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, real quick. I'm going to take this segue. Um, this reminded me of something. People that are too engulfed in their work, right? Mm-hmm. And you have an issue like this, you know, suddenly. And... You don't catch it quite in time. Mm-hmm. You rush to the restroom, take care of business, and then realize why you're there. Ooh, I have to throw away my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. Hilarious. That's it gross. is, but it happens. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it's happened to me. I've heard the stories. Um in fact, I heard one of the stories in court one time. Huh. One of the the trial attorney in that case. Um, I happened to be working the defense side. I was a defense paralegal in the Air Force for a little while. You have to do whatever they, you know. At first, yeah. I was a uh, like a claims person. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was a trial paralegal. Then a defense paralegal. Then civil law paralegal like wills estate planning oh, yeah. uh anything like that any kind of family type law uh done medical malpractice law all kinds of stuff anyway um yeah this trial attorney asked for a break real quick and the judge was ready for a break um all right we'll be back in 15 very apologetically the lawyer comes back about 30 minutes later and the judge is like, where have you been? I said 15 minutes. I mean, you get back here in 10. Yeah. You know, the only person anybody in court should be waiting for is me. Yeah. Because I'm the judge. Uh, and that's just the way it is. Um, more so for military judges. Because um, they have a double dose of entitlement, right? Yeah. They're not just judges and lawyers. They're also military officers. Um, and then, And right there in open court, he's like, yeah, I had to really use the bathroom and wound up, uh, you know, <laughs> crapping my, my pants and had to. 
<laughs> throw away my underwear. And, and the and the judge just said, are you telling me you're standing here commando in my court? <laughs> <laughs> you go, yes. Um, is there any way you, um, you know, you got the gym bag with an extra pair? Um, yeah, yeah. No. You're disgusting. You're going to stand here without underwear the rest of the day. That's nasty. That's so funny. Do you know it happened to me one time? Not not bowel movement related, but clothing malfunctioning or like embarrassment. Uh, I was photographing a wedding and I went to squat down, just blew the crotch right out of the pants. Yep. <laughs> Luckily, it was actually the very first wedding I ever photographed. It was my cousin. And so then my wife was there. We were in Red Deer and I was like, I just phoned her. I was like, honey, because we were in the morning. This was doing like the, you know, they're getting ready and all this stuff. I was like, honey, I blew the blew the crotch out of my pants. And she's like, again? I'm like, yeah, again. So she went and bought me some new pants and I was good to go. But I, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. But I, man, if I ever have pants that fail, it's always at the crotch. The crotch just always explodes. Like just the stitching down there. I don't know what the heck so the deal is. you need those old uh, uh, Chuck Norris pants. Oh, what are those? have stretchy groins. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's yeah, how he actually, did his high kicks. Ah. Do you know what it works actually now? I've been wearing Dickies, like the classic Dickies work pants. I love those things. Absolutely love them. Yeah. They last forever. They're comfortable. I find they're fine in the wintertime. In the summertime, they're not, they're, I don't know. They just, they stay enough away from your body. It seems like they breathe, but I don't really think they do. But, man, I love those things. And you look like a punk, too, you know? But yeah. While you're gone, I was just perusing images of motorbikes. Seeing what I'm going to do to my DR, if anything. I'm just going to ride it. That's all I'm going to do. But yeah, I got. Oh, um, <clears throat> I know. I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, so I got an email this week, and then a follow up email this morning uh, from a scammer. Oh yeah. Uh, related to our podcast. Um, no. Oh yes. Oh really? It is from, you know, you know the group you talked so highly about on YouTube. Oh yeah, Studio Seventy One. Yeah. The clown. It's one of those, but for podcasting. Mm. And she believes that this Andrea Campbell. Okay. Yep. Hey, I heart your podcast. Oh, um, she does. I knew she would. I'm the top mentor concierge on oh. a new social audio experience called Wisdom. Wisdom. <laughs> I'd like to formally invite you to be a top mentor on the app. Oh, wow. Although this gets better, it's designed for folks like you so you can monetize your expertise and do some good at the same time. Oh, wow. I think you'd be a perfect fit in the education category. <laughs> <laughs> and I just quit reading at that point. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea what Can-Am Soup's about. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, and that's how you know whether people watch your channel or listen to you at all. Yeah, you know, that's hilarious. Oh, I thought it was our big break, Todd. I thought I was like, yes, <laughs> this is it. We finally made it. I knew someone would value what we do here. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Man, I'm starting to get. You can tell uh, when, you know, getting into like back to school, Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, when all the money starts ramping up, people start spending again because. Man, companies are hitting me left, right, and middle to review products. And it's funny. It comes in these waves. And right now, it's like, everyone, could we send you this? Could we send you that? How much will you charge to do this video? How much? He's like, no. It's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. This one uh, company reached out on Instagram. They make really high-quality sharpening stones. Um, it's a Russian company. I don't know why the Russians are into those uh, fixed-pivot knife sharpeners. There's so many of them now. But... um they're like, we want you to review, and I, I think I got back to them last week, and I was like, I was like, I'll try them out. I said, if they're garbage, I'm not going to make a video about them. And I said, if if they are, I, I could show my audience. And then they're like, okay. And then how much is that going to cost? And I was thinking about, it. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to. Like, I I don't want to. I've I've done so many sharpening videos, and there's so many new products. I don't know. And at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe I should. Who knows? But I got a video coming out this week. Well, I was hoping to have it come out today, but I didn't get it quite finished. A building, uh, I sent you a text of it. A fancy little adjustable yes. table. For that my, is amazing. My disc grinder. I don't know about amazing. I was just trying to find a way to do it that wasn't overly complicated. But, <clears throat> and then I was thinking about, oh, you know, I've been filming the whole thing. It's going to be a video and it'll be like... DIY disc grinder stand and I'm like if I say if I name it that people are gonna be so pissed off so like do it yourself if you have a machine shop (laughs) yeah I guess yeah sure yeah probably just say I made myself or I built a pivoting table for my disc grinder something but I'm amazed how long those things take like I made these little aluminum clamps and I think I'm just you should name it what's that DIY, open parentheses, troll trigger, close parentheses. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Using simple tools. Yeah. <laughs> Namely a milling machine. I use a mill a lot in this thing. Yeah. Um, not not much welding on it. I got a, I'm going to finally reuse. I got this big 20-foot chunk. What do you mean chunk. you can't have, you just tell the troll, what do you mean you can't have a machine shop like mine? All the money you're saving on rent by living in your mom's basement? Come <laughs> on. That's right. I should do that. Should do that. But yeah, I just got to bolt these one things to these arms and then weld some legs on and that's done. So I think that video will come out tomorrow. But you know, it's funny. This is one of those projects that I've been, I've literally looked at, like done a Google image search for like homemade DIY or even the the available ones. Uh, The one you got is nice and it's heavily machined, right? It'll take a lot of setup. And I I know I've got a rotary table so I could put that little slot if I yeah, was a full-time machinist, actual, um, like a Bridgeport, Bridgeport clone, yeah, something yeah. like that, easy. It'd be a lot easier. But, yeah, my little thing. And is then you'd just, have to anodize it, but whatever. Yeah, my little thing hurts every time I do anything. Like I was trying to make these arms, and it's a half-inch steel, mild steel, and I wanted to machine a three-eighths slot in it because uh, I got three-eighths bolts that are going to pinch it down. And this slot's probably only, I would say, six inches, maybe seven. I started, and I realized for the depth of cut that I can safely take without, you know, chattering this thing to death. Oh, man. So anyways, I did two passes, and then I brought it to my portable bandsaw and basically (laughs) just used those lines that I started as a guide. I didn't go right to the edge, 
just did two passes. That way, like 95% of the material was gone, and that way I could do heavier passes going back and forth. And I had, after I cut it, cut the material out, I had to put it back in my into my milling machine so I could machine it and actually get a nice consistent slot in there. But oh man, that thing struggles. And it's so it's such a shame. Like if I had only ever used that, that'd be one thing. But uh, when I worked at GNS, you know, when I started my millwright apprenticeship, I spent like two years on the lathe and the mill, and we had a nice knee mill, like a big one. And man, I put keyways in hardened, like turned and hardened steel shafting. I could do them in two passes. You know, I'd, I'd do like a, a cut that was, you know, an eighth of an inch, three sixteenths of an inch. Just whoa, chips just come sailing out of there. You got the coolant shooting in there. Oh, it's such a nice way to machine. And then you get one of these little tiny mil- mini mills and it's like, it's a milling machine in resemblance. <laughs> Almost in, capa- in what it does, but Man, it, it is so not the same thing. But No, it is not. Uh, yeah. I'm so disappointed with what I got. Um, but I knew what I was getting into when I bought it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm relegating that to what I initially bought it for and not what I was hoping it would do, right? Yeah. So... I'm still looking around for a, an actual mill, an actual lathe, because um, I'm not going to go the route of benchtop, because yeah. I'm just going to be disappointed. Yeah. I want, what is it that I think I'm going to need it for, and go 20% more in yeah. capability, 25% more in capability? Yeah. Because I was uh, disappointed with uh, any table saw you get. Until I bought an actual, no kidding, um, closer to pro quality cabinet saw. Mm-hmm. You know, I got the Delta uh, Unisaw, and uh, I've been nothing but disappointed in any kind of uh, portable planer. Mm. And I'm st- I'm looking I'm still looking for a good old planer like an Oliver. Something like that. Yeah, they're just so hard to come by. Reasonable. Yeah, and they're and not in New York. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I could, if I had any inclination of going up towards Washington State or Oregon, I could probably get a good one. But you know, I never wanted to go back to Washington State. I didn't lose anything there. Um, I don't, didn't particularly like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think all. Whatever evil wasn't born in California was born in Seattle. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I know tools are like good tools are so expensive, but so nice. You know, like even thinking about like I haven't bought any. The last big thing I bought was just my dust collector. And I don't know, it was eight, seven or eight times more money than the one that I had previously bought. But it's more than seven times better like it's unbelievable how much way quieter like probably half as loud and it's just works better it's a pleasure to use and it's like man i don't know it's it good tools are worth it and then you know I used to have a, a benchtop lathe and it was okay for things um you couldn't really turn steel it just chatter too much you could turn aluminum and i bought it to make wheels for my first belt grinder that I made. So it served its purpose. I think I sold it for more than I paid for it. Well, I did. Um, 
But then I got this one from my dad that I'd been eyeing for like 20 years. <laughs> he was going to throw in the garbage. And man, I like that thing. I can turn what I want on it. You know, like if I've got a four inch pipe and I want to turn it into something, you know, machine the inside, the outside and face it down. I just slap it in there and I turn it on and I just feed it, you know, just feed the cutter right in there. It just cuts and it's like, oh, and then you shut it off and it, it didn't even move, man. It, it's like a freaking tank just sits there just does what you need it to do and it's man that old stuff is so good like you say it's so hard to find and worth a fortune I like I told my dad I was like <laughs> you know if, if you get the right buyer and sometimes that's a hard part but I'm like you could sell that for a good several thousand dollars like like this is nothing you throw to the trash you don't take this to the dump you know I mean there's a little backlash in it but it's precise it's you just compensate for it it's it's in excellent shape it's like this this doesn't go to the garbage. No, 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 no. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, you just throw it on marketplace and make money. And then yeah. they come and get it. Yeah. You yeah. know, you have no labor other than taking pictures and making a post. Yeah. And and the other thing too is that somebody gets that, right? Because people that want that or that that are looking for that, sometimes it's too much money, but the reason they cost so much is because they're just hard to find. You know, um, if I was looking for an old vintage lathe, when I saw it, I'd be like, yes, I finally found it. I feel like I have a victory for finding that thing to purchase. So by not throwing in the garbage, not only do you make money, but you also give somebody a chance to do something that they wanted to do, that they've been trying to do, right? That their goal has been achieved. They bought this vintage lathe, you know, you're doing them a favor, really. <laughs> yeah. The problem, though, is you get folks that are have these... Um, like really old um, bridge ports, tiny table, more backlash than whatever. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and, oh, I want $9,000 for it. Yeah. You know what? Um, hope you get it. Not yeah. for me. But, yeah. You know, just people that, you know, I know what I got. Don't try to lowball me. No, you yeah. don't. No, you yeah. don't. <laughs> um, there's one in San Diego right now for sale. It's a sharp a Bridgeport clone, uh, but a really good one. And, in fact, this is probably better than a lot of the older uh, Bridgeport actuals. It's like from around 2007, 2008. Um New old stock, mm -hmm. five grand. Oh well, I just don't have any way of going <clears throat> and getting it. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. That's a good deal. Oh, it's a screaming deal. Uh, I was even going to check on like having a rigger go load it up and a trucking company bring it out here. Yeah, that made it stupid expensive. Mm. Yeah, there's that bidding site. That you can put stuff up like uh and and people can just log on. There's actually a reality show based on it. Uh but basically they, some guys will have just like a huge cargo trailer or a big flat deck and independent guys and they'll literally just drive around the country and they can log and in in the morning. Ship. You ship, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever see that uh there's a reality show based on that? Yeah. It was kind of an interesting one, actually. Oh yeah, we used to watch it. I was a big fan of Jen. Yeah, yeah, and they just log in and bid what they want to do the work for. I'm like, that's kind of yeah. a 
I love that concept of business. Independent and you've got, you know, people working against each other, but it's like, what am I willing to do today? Is it worth it for me? I make that decision and then boom, it's like free enterprise, you know? Yeah. I'm a fan of Roy too, that crotchety old MFer that had to always had a cat with him. He's dead now. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably COVID. No, 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 no. He died long before COVID. Huh. Uh, um, it was probably uh, decades of smoking related. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was so funny because no one else on the show acted like they liked him. You know, they all talked crap about him until that last season he was on the show. And everybody loved him. He did a lot of collabs, and then at the end of this, of it, of the season, you know, which filmed probably six months before that, and then it, you know, makes the news he died. And you're like, he must have known then he had cancer. Mm. You know, told the cast and crew, so now everybody's yeah. nice to him. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, there's the Jared, the idiot with the church bus. Um, I was hoping he would run headlong into a bridge embutment and kill himself. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, this was a funny show. Yeah, so well, on the news uh, this week that uh, Jay-Z is trying to change his name. To what? I don't know, because I don't care. And I don't know why anybody else would. Probably He's an the, idiot. Like, um, who's that guy? Prince changed his name to a letter and then to a symbol. Like, come yeah. on, really? You think we care about you? Now you have to say the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. No, it's Prince. Yeah. Oh, I cannot stand that guy. Purely for his music. I can't stand his voice, his style. Like, that is literally a music that when I hear it, I cringe. I'm like, I hate this. Turn this off. Can't stand it. Oh, my God. It. You and I are only two human beings on Earth. I can't. I've never liked him. Oh. Um, and, and, no, there's a... When he was coming up in Detroit, there was another black artist there, Morris Day. He's not from the Detroit. Morris Day in the time. He was in the movie, right? Well, they they hated each other. Actually, Morris tried to kill him once, but uh, when they were younger, allegedly, the story goes. Um, but then they became, you know, friends because it was uh, more conducive to business. And they put more money in each other's pocket by being friendly. Uh, I was a fan of some of Morris Day's music. I can't stand Prince. Never have, never will. People are like, oh, he was a musical genius. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was great. Not to me. Not to me. You know, you know, he's a m- musical genius to me. One of them is George Strait. Another one is the Rush, Kiss, you know, Metallica. Yeah, I'd go with Metallica. Uh, uh oh god now I can't remember uh Luther Vandross. No true genius. That is. Mm. Uh, a soul. Yeah. R and B guy. Mm. Yeah. I was never a big fan of Elvis either. Um maybe one or two songs were toe tappers, but that was about it. You know it's funny. My youngest is on an Elvis kick right now. <laughs> he's, he's eight years old and he's just loving Elvis. We listen to the songs. It's like, okay, you can listen to this. I, I don't know if Elvis has any bad songs. Um, 
But oh yeah, it's so funny. He'll wander around. He's like singing Elvis tunes, and I'm like, <laughs> where'd you? You know what you from? should do. You know what you should do. Take him off to the side, just you and him, and tell him anytime you ask your mom for something, when she gives it to you, just go, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to work on the lip. I got that lip. I can do the Elvis lip really good. He's been practicing and practicing and practicing. It's funny. Right on. Well, I got to get cruising, you know, Todd. There are worse people to emulate, but, you know, the way it all ended for Elvis, you know. Yeah. He was only <laughs> crazy for a short while. He only went mad for a little bit, I guess. But. You know, it's, he was just sad at the end. You know, fat Elvis. You know, they <laughs> always call, say young Elvis and fat Elvis. Yeah. It's so, uh, uh, funny. Good. Yep. Well, folks, I'm gonna. I gotta jet out real quick. But uh, this was a very meandering one, wasn't it? No real point. <laughs> and it's in the opening to the show, and it says, you know, often meanderings. Yep. De- this is definitely every one of the once offense. in a while we have to live up to the hype. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We can't keep it on the straight and narrow and make sense every episode. That's right. Because then That's people right. start questioning the meandering. Yeah. You're like, I followed everything you said, but you said it was meandering. I don't get it. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So this show was for you. That's right. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for time, Todd. It's great. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Catch you then, folks.